0: In the last episode, I talked about the historical context of the British legal system and how the unjust or unfair application of those laws pushed Bentham to argue for legal reforms. The fundamental problem, as Bentham saw it, was that people made laws and punishments according to their own personal whims and biases. The result is an arbitrary set of punishments with no coherent or rational ethical aim. Laws need to be ethical. What we need to have, the basis of an ethical system, is a set of principles that can be justified as universal. The universal structure will remove these arbitrary or personal whims of laws and punishments and replace them with something that can be understood by reason to be right or just. Bentham seizes on the Epicurean notion that all living things move towards what is pleasurable and away from the painful. Pleasure and pain are the forces that drive the world and our lives. These principles are universal and apply to the smartest and stupidest of people. They apply to every culture around the world at all times. This is a universal basis for deciding what is moral. The goal of lawmakers ought to be the creation of laws for the good of a community or a society. Well, what is the good of the community? it must be nothing other than the good of the individuals people as a collective form the community the community does not exist apart from its members communities are fictions imaginary constructs so to talk about the community's benefit is to talk about the benefit to all its members in short laws should be constructed and lawmakers should act to increase the happiness of the members and or reduce the pains they suffer At the heart of utilitarianism is that idea. Let's make the greatest happiness for the greatest number. Okay, let's assume that Bentham has hit upon a possible basis for a universal principle. All human beings, and I suspect he would extend this principle to all living things, are driven by the forces of pleasure and pain. What can we do with this information? How can this idea help us to shape the moral and ethical policies? reason. We need to apply our rational faculties and set aside our personal feelings or cultural biases. If this principle is going to be applied by reason and not by emotions, we must engage in some calculations. These calculations must be about the pleasures and pains involved for everyone. The ancient Greek word for pleasure is hedone, and becomes hedonism in English. We also make the adjective hedonistic or hedonic. Bentham describes this as a hedonic calculus. Pleasures and pains all have seven aspects to consider when we assign value to them and try to make our calculations. First of all, intensity. How strong is the sensation of pain or pleasure? Secondly, duration. How long will the pleasure or pain last? Thirdly, certainty. How likely is it for the pleasure or pain to happen? Fourth, the proximity or closeness in time. Don't choose an immediate pleasure for pain which follows a bit later. Five, fecundity or fruitfulness. What it means is how likely is it that the sensation will be followed by similar sensations? Six, purity. I will quote him, the chance it has of not being followed by sensations of the opposite kind. That is, pains, if it be a pleasure, pleasures, if it be a pain. Finally, seven, extent, quote, the number of persons to whom it extends, or in other words, who are affected by it. In practice then, for individuals, just sum up and balance. On the whole, we get more pleasure or more pain from that course of action. For groups and communities, then we need to sum up things and balance for every individual involved. Before I move on, I want to point out that point seven has enormous implications. If, if one or even two or in fact uh, even more people decide to take an action to generate pleasure for themselves, and it is clear that no other person could be affected in any negative way. The actions cannot be immoral or wrong. Uh, most certainly, absolutely certainly, these actions should not be illegal. And I will mention again that in 1967, Pierre Trudeau, who was the justice minister at the time, introduced a bill in the House of Commons. And Trudeau appealed th- for the decriminalization of homosexual acts performed in private, telling reporters for the CBC television there is no place for the state in the bedrooms of the nation. What is done in private between adults doesn't concern the criminal code. Bentham would agree. Think back to the types of minor crimes and punishments, crimes which might entail only uh, a whipping until the back be bloodied, or a few hours in the stocks or pillories which could lead to having teeth and or eyes knocked out. By by minor crimes, just to remind you, I mean those infractions with a value under a shilling. Anything greater might carry the death by hanging penalty. So for very minor issues, a person could face the intense pain of being disfigured and the lifelong pain which results from those injuries last 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, being blind, toothless. Bentham asks you to do some math here. Just to consider the intensity and the duration of the pains. Very great on both points. And consider the extent of the pain of the infraction. The pain caused by the infraction. This is a minor infraction under a shilling. By definition, it's very small. Any reasonable or rational person can see that the punishment is unjust, immoral, or unethical. Some people might be quick to dismiss Bentham because he's asking us to quantify things which are not quantifiable. We cannot count or measure pleasure units or pain units. But Bentham is fully aware of this issue. In fact, each of us will place different values to our own pleasures and pains. Maybe I would give 10 points of pleasure to a strawberry gelato, but you would give it six. Or maybe on a hot day, I would say, oh, this is worth 15. But in the winter, maybe it's four. Or what about the pain of being poked by a needle? You do not need to have fixed numbers. What you need to do is reflect on these pleasures and pains and consider the consequences. For example, I have given blood many times. I considered the minor pain of a needle jab and uh, the pleasure that could fall for someone else who happens to need blood uh, at the right moment. Giving blood and helping others, it's right for me. Anyway, Bentham uh, will suggest that we make these calculations anyway. The numbers do not need to be exact. Ethical claims are not exact sciences anyway but at least this utilitarian process of applying reason and thinking about the net gains and losses of pleasure or pain can guide us to make ethical or moral choices. We need not be bound by irrational suppositions and biases. This is a wicked act. You need to pay for it. You need to suffer for it. That's medieval thinking. Well, that's all I want to say about Bentham. Uh, In the next podcast episode, I'll be talking about John Stuart Mill and his version of utilitarianism. So, in the meantime, uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't, and check out uh, my YouTube channel, Academic Dabbler. At some point, I will have some um, video support and a bit more detail on various aspects of utilitarian philosophy. So, till then... Bye.